We're so glad you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story with us at pastor at relevant316.com. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at relevant316.com. There you can select a giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Father, just have your way. Touch, move. May there be many moments today where people are challenged, changed. And Father, through the exercise of what we do here today, we will leave stronger, more aware, have clear insight of your intent and purpose for our lives. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are hot. Are they good? Oh, come on, man. They're so good. I just want to dance like... Oh, they're not playing now because I'm dancing. It's just like... Let's take a trip this morning. Let's go through uh, transformation. I'm a little bit of an etymologist. I love to study words. I know it's kind of weird, but I think when we get to the root of it, it makes sense. I want you to have a transformation. I love that little saying that goes around. You get an impartation of information that brings a transformation in your life. But the etymology of the word transformation comes from two Latin words, transe and formare. So if we say it in Latin, it would be transe formare. That's my Italian coming out too. But transe is like if you go on a transatlantic flight from you know, uh, New York into Heathrow, into London. You did a transatlantic flight. You started in one place and you ended in another. But when you add the word formare in the Latin, here's what it means. It means you start out on a journey to a different place, but when you arrive, you're a different person when you get there. That's what I want us to have today. We're going to start wherever you're at, wherever you're personally at. Whatever circumstances, I don't call circumstances circumstances, just so you know, from the get-go, I call them serpent stances. When the enemy comes against you and tries to take a stand against you. But I'm believing that as we go through this time together, through this teaching together, when we arrive and we do have a destination, we'll all be different than the way we started. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, Polly, come up here. She did great. These are in the back. Um... If you want to buy something, all the money goes to hungry children, my six grandkids. So uh, I am by nature a storyteller. I love to tell stories. But one day I found out that I'm in good company because Jesus told a lot of stories. Jesus would start by saying, consider the lilies of the field or consider the birds of the air. Or there was a certain man, a farmer went out to sow seed. Jesus was constantly telling stories to impart some wisdom into our life that would bring in change that would bring greater joy into our lives. I have found in my travels and ministry that many people today feel like their life is unimportant, mundane, simple. But I believe absolutely that God doesn't want us just thriving. I mean, just surviving. He wants us thriving, not to just be on the go, 
but on the grow. He wants us to go from ordinary to extraordinary, from menial to magnificent. That is the plan of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now listen, just because you were really radical in your worship, you can talk to me. It's okay. I'm really good with you talking back to me. Especially with the light in my eyes. I'm wondering if you're still there. So (laughs) say amen. Bless you. Today I'm doing a message called an unlikely hero. An unlikely hero. See, I believe there's unlikely heroes everywhere. But many are living in small places. And that small place has become a trap. It keeps them from filling their purpose, their destiny, the things that God has designed for their life. They're in a small place. A small place could be a struggling marriage. It could be your health, your job. It could be your finances. It could be insecurity or depression. It could be an addiction. You can fill in the blank yourself, but for many of us, we've been put in a small place. And the question is begged, what put us in a small place? Did someone betray you, lie to you, cheat you, let you down, walk away from you? Have you been divorced? Have you been left alone with you and your children in a small place? Did you get a report from the doctor that put you in a small place? Are you in a job that you feel cramped in? You feel trapped? You're in a small place? You're married to a person not serving Christ and you feel like you're in a small place? You look in your bank account and you feel like, oh, that's a big small place. (laughs) But the real question is, what keeps us there? Why do we stay there? What's stopping you from enlarging your life today? What's keeping you from walking out of your small place and into something better? Fear? Fear of loss? Is it fear of rejection? How many of you this morning could raise your hand and say at some time in your life you've been rejected? Pastor Jonathan did an amazing job of talking about you may get 10 no's, but there's a yes outside. Oh, it blessed my heart. It blessed our church. This morning I want to talk about a man from God's word that was in a small place. Look at the screen, Judges 6.11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah. Man, she owned stuff before she was born. Sorry. Which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Listen, he's in a small place. What is he doing? He's in a wine press. You crush grapes in a wine press, you don't thresh wheat in a wine press because a wine press is very small. You need a large barn-type floor to thresh wheat. So in reality, he's eking out a living. He's barely getting by. He's hiding from his enemies. He's worried. He's filled with trepidation and fear. God, how am I going to supply for my family? How am I going to get by? Have you ever been in a place like that? He's been pressed into a small place and he's hiding Verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared, who did the angel of the Lord? Say angel with me. 
When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Isn't that quite a statement? The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's hiding. He's afraid. He's barely getting by. And the angel of the Lord, the messenger of God, shows up and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now here's the oddity of the whole thing. The name Gideon, actually, you know, it's horrible. In the Hebrew, it's pronounced Gideon. But because your teachers didn't know better, we called it Gideon and we leave it there. But uh, his name was Gideon. In the Hebrew, Gideon means a warrior who can destroy anything. So he's been named a warrior who can destroy anything. But he's hiding in a wine press. He's not practicing his name, child of God, more than a conqueror. See, if I had just walked up here, pastor, and I said, how many of you are more than a conqueror? Come on. How many of you would have said, yeah? Yeah. Well, let's try it. How many of you are more than conquerors? I don't believe you. Anyway, if you're more than a conqueror, see, a conqueror is someone that fights a battle, has a victory, and enjoys the fruit of that battle. So what the heck does it mean when Paul told the church at Rome to be that we are more than conquerors? See, when you are more than a conqueror, you realize this one thought, that you have to enjoy the fruits of a victory you didn't have to fight. Oh, I like that. You mean I don't have to fight, but I get to enjoy the reward of a victory I didn't have to fight? That's correct. So God, through the messenger, calls Gideon by name. But the problem is, God is speaking to his potential. Say potential. Not his practice. He's not practicing mighty warrior. He's not living mighty warrior. He's not walking out mighty warrior. But his potential is mighty warrior. Listen, I came here today to speak to your potential. Whether you are practicing it or not, God wants me to call you by name, child of God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, the redeemed, the blood bought, the blood washed. Listen to me. He gave you the mind of Christ. He put you in a high pavilion. He plucked your feet from the miry clay. He called you his own. He puts you under the shadow of his wing. You are the apple of his eye. How dare you sit there and be quiet this morning? And God's always speaking to our potential, even if it isn't our current practice. What's your potential? What is it that the enemy has used to keep you locked down, shut in a small place? Oh, you know, at that moment when the messenger shows up, He's not practicing. He's not functioning. How many of you like football? Anybody? I'm kind of a huge football fan. Don't ask me if I'm a Raider fan. I am not. Amen. Glory a Dios. But being that I hang out with a lot of people at my church that are 
and have tattoos all over their legs. I'm kind of nice to the Raiders. And I came up with a trademark saying that I use all the time. And it's this. Every game, every player, every play. Every game, every player, every play. Why? Because in the game of football, whether you're on the O-line or the D-line, whether you're a running back or a defensive back, whether you're a wide receiver, a safety, makes no difference. Every play, you have a part to play. Every game, every player, every play. And it's true in the body of Christ. God has placed you in this amazing church and given you a function, mighty warriors, to do your part every service, every person, every day, not just Sunday. And so God has given you a function, but now listen to this. When you are not functioning in your position, when you are the center, but you want to pick up the ball and be the quarterback, are you with me, football fans? It's not going to work well because you're not functioning in your position. You are called to function in position. In church ease or in church language, we would say, you need to get in alignment with your assignment. But when we don't function in our position is when the church becomes dysfunctional. Are you calling us a dysfunctional church? I don't know. I'm not around here enough. I can tell by just looking at some of your... Never mind. We're not going to go there. Come on. Listen, my friend here... Stand up, son. He's following me around since the second I got here. They take me in one room and then he says, this room's too cold. I said, okay, let's go to a warmer room, alone. Can I bring my friends? He's in alignment with his assignment. His assignment from the very beginning, I'm at a men's breakfast last week at our church where Pastor Jonathan was delivering an amazing word and he comes up to me and he looks at me and he goes, Pastor Rob, when you're with us next week, I will be taking care of you. Son, you're doing a great job of being in alignment with your assignment. You did what you were asked to do. And you not only did what you were asked to do, you did it with joy. So we need to get in our positions. We need to get an assignment alignment with our assignment. See, the problem is, is when you're in a small place... You can't let what presently confines you to define you. When you are in that place of being stressed out, worry, fearful, it begins to define you. And you say things like, I'm broke. I'm sick. My dream's dead. I'm washed out. It's over. It's never going to happen. See, you may be in a small, get this, somebody get this today. You may be in a small place today. Just don't let that small place get in the inside of you. 
And that's what happened to Gideon. We'll see. Let's keep going. See, everything that God created was meant to grow. This church is meant to grow. Not just numerically, yes. Not just spiritually, yes. Not just financially, yes. But see, everything that God created is meant to grow. Even a blade of grass in the ground wants to grow a 32nd of an inch overnight. Every limb on every tree, because God put life in it, wants to extend its branches over the course of a year. Everything, including you, child of God, from the day you were born again, are meant to grow. And see, your pastors know when you grow, grow big people, you grow a big church. Is there any big people here this morning? Okay, just so we're clear about my agenda, I'm here to double dog dare you out of your small place. So Gideon responds, verse 13. Yep, thank you. You guys are good. So Gideon responds with this, but sir, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our father told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. For Gideon, his wine press, W-I-N-E, is now a wine press, W-H-I-N-E. And how many of you, when you are pressed into a wine press... When you are put in that small place, you begin to whine. Anybody? You're not called to whine. You're called to shine. Let's look real quickly at Gideon's five statements of resistance. First thing he said is, but sir. Face it, Gideon had a big butt. I think there's people in the body of Christ that need a butt reduction. Look around the room, see if somebody needs a butt reduction. This I'm, gonna look, I'm walking at church with one of the young ladies on staff. And this, she says to me, she goes, man, that girl's got a nice butt. I'm not going to look, I said. I said, but why would you say that? She goes, I've got booty envy. Don't get envious this morning because someone stepped out of their small place when you can step out of your small place. Some of you just need a butt reduction. Gideon had one, but sir. Second thing he said, if the Lord is with us. In other words, he doubts what the messenger said. Romans 8.31 says, since God is for us, who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question. Doesn't need an answer. If God is for us, is really, since God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer to the rhetorical question is, no one or anything successfully. And that's the mindset of a mighty warrior. God is with me. Isn't that what the messenger said to Gideon? The Lord is with you. Then he calls a mighty warrior. Whatever your name, know first that the Lord is with you. The third thing he says is, why has all this happened? It's the common complaint of the masses. Why, 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 why? You want a transformati in your life? You want transformation? Then stop 
blaming other people for why you are where you are. Oh, it's easy to do. Well, he walked out on me. Tell me people walked out of you. How many were here the last time I taught? Anybody? Oh, I think, looks like I scared a bunch of them away. (laughs) You know, the truth is, is that 30 years ago, in six weeks, I lost my best friend to a heart attack. My dad died. Two weeks after burying my dad, my wife walked out on me. I was a full-time pastor at a church. The church board called me in. I thought to give me some, a lift and encourage me. They fired me. Oh, did I tell you that my wife had left with the pastor of that church? And then, and then because the church fired me, I said, why are you firing me? They said, because we're believing for the pastor to come back. And when he gets here, you can't be here. So in six weeks, because I lost my job, my ministry, my pastor, my wife, my father, my best friend, they repossessed my car. I had no job. I couldn't pay for the rent. So me, my three-year-old, my five-year-old, and seven-year-old, we moved into a garage. Not a garage that was attached to a house. A garage in the back of the property that had no toilet, no running water, no heat, no air conditioning. Just a cement floor and a broken bed. You want to talk about being in a small place? I know what it's like to be in a small place. And to say, God, why, 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 why? In that place, I made three promises. Here they are quickly. I wasn't going to tell this story. But real quickly, I made three promises. Number one, I'd never get married again. Broke that promise. Number two, I'd never go back into the ministry. Broke that promise. Oh yeah, that was obvious. Number three. I'd never trust another pastor again. I broke the first promise of going back into the ministry in a year. I got married again three and a half years later, but it took 15 years to trust another pastor. I was in a small place. The fourth thing that he says is, where are all his wonders? Where are all God's wonders? Gideon, you'll never see him as long as you're in a small place. You've got to step out of a small place and step into a bigger place so that you can see his wonders. You're hiding in that small place, wondering why you're there, questioning God just like Gideon did. Why, if, but, where, how? When the truth is, get out of your small place and you'll begin to see God move in the way he's... See, God can't move in your small place the way he wants to move today if you'll just have the courage to step out. And then the fifth thing he says is, but now God has abandoned us. You know what Gideon does? He speaks what he really believes. We're at the core issue. But you know the truth of the matter is, God never abandoned them. They abandoned God. When they wouldn't believe his messengers and believe what God was telling them. I believe for some of you today, I can't say for all of you, but for some of you today, you're beginning to see a light. There's hope arising on the inside of you. That you too, no matter what it looks like, no matter how small the place you've been pressed into... You're going to have the courage to take the first step. And you know what's great about being in this church? Is they'll take you by the hand and help lift you out of that small place. They'll stay with you as you come into a bigger place. Because see, in that place, we begin to get into the life cycle of God. It causes you to have to step out. The reason that I'm saying this is because I'll ask you a question. Why did you all come here this morning? 
What is the base reason that you're here? I'm sure if we were to boil it down, you would come to the idea that you're all here because you wanted to become more. You wanted to learn. You wanted to grow. You wanted to stretch. You wanted to feed your faith. You wanted to fellowship. All those things do that. But the very fact in God's life cycle, you become more. When you become more, you can do more. When you do more, you have more. When you have more, you can give more. When you give more, you begin to live more. When you're living more, you love more. And let the cycle repeat. But watch this. With God, it's exponential. In other words, every time you repeat God's life cycle, the circle gets bigger and bigger. See, after you've gone through it once, the next time around, you become even more. You do even more. You have even more. You give even more. You live even more. And you love even more. And let the cycle repeat itself. You can't live in God's life cycle in your small place. You'll excuse yourself away from the life cycle of God. And you'll miss the opportunity to become more. They abandoned God. And in truth... They were blaming, he was blaming God for his small place. Verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? I don't know if any of you are in Bible college right now, but when I teach in Bible colleges and I teach a course on this subject, I tell them, what was the obvious change in here. He starts out having a conversation in verse 11. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon under the oak at Oprah. Isn't that what we read? Verse 11. Who appeared to Gideon? Who? No. Who? The angel of the Lord. The dispatched messenger of God appeared to Gideon. Now in verse 14 it says... But the Lord turned to him. Did you notice that, Pastor? That went from being the messenger to the Lord. So you've all experienced that. What are you talking about, Pastor Rob? Come here, Pastor Pauline. When your pastors are delivering to you, giving birth to what the Spirit of God has already put on the inside of them for you, it may sound like Pastor Pauline... It may look like Pastor Pauline. She may have the same enunciation as Pastor Pauline. But if you're listening to the Spirit of God, what will begin to stir within you is that her voice will now sound like... It'll start to sound like God's. See, they don't just speak for God. They are the oracle of God. And the word that has been put in them, when it comes out of them, is God speaking to you. Yes, they are the messenger. They are the conduit. But God is giving you a word through them. And he wanted you to see that you honor that. I'm not a traditionalist. Thank you, Pastor. I'm not a traditionalist by any means. I'm not the most religious guy in the world. world. But I am related 
And the Bible says to give honor to whom honor is due. And it says, they, your pastors, are worthy of double honor. That's what it says in the King James. In the Greek, it says they are worthy of the highest honor. Honor them and God honors you. I'm just saying that was for free. Verse 15. Is somebody's faith getting stirred this morning just a little bit? See, the truth is when you step out of your small place, you can help others out of theirs. But Lord, I told you he had a big butt. (laughs) But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan, listen to what he said. My clan, my family is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. He keeps saying, but, and then how can I? But, how can I? But, how can I? You can because the Lord is with you. Hang on. When you're excusing yourselves... For your small place, is your butt the first thing people hear? (laughs) Three people got it. Is your butt the first thing people hear? I told you you all had a big butt and you didn't believe me. But here we go with the big butts. But God, I'm not educated. But God, I'm not gifted. But God, I'm not talented. But God, I'm too old. But God, I'm too young. But God, I'm not good looking. But God, you know where I've been. But God, you know who I cheated. But God, you know what I did. But God, you know who I did it with. But God, but God, but God, but God. And the but is the first thing that people hear. It's the first thing that God hears because it's keeping you predisposed to a small place that wants you to live a limited life, a lackluster life, a life without purpose or definition. And you are defined by your choice to stay where you are. But let there be a moment this morning A second with the Spirit of God. Where something ignites something within you and we have fanned into flame. See, to me, the only but we need is, but God, you healed me. But God, you delivered me. But God, you raised me from the dead. But God... See, I found in my garage, living there for almost two years with my three little children was there's three inherent problems with being in a small place. Number one, there's only room for you. It's a selfish life. Number two, there's no room for change, a transformare, in a small place. And in a small place, there's no room for growth. See, unfortunately, the church today has confused activity with accomplishment How many of you moms have been at home all day doing the job you do, taking care of the kids, washing the dishes, ironing, cooking, cleaning, vacuuming, and all the things you do, and at the end of the day you go, man, did I get anything done? But the church thinks just because it's busy, it's accomplishing something. We have to have a teachable spirit. And it isn't just people that are stuck in small places. Churches are stuck. Oh, verse 16, the Lord answered him, finishing this up. The Lord answered him. He said, I will be with you. This is God's answer to all his complaints, all his negativity, all his reasons. God says, 
The Lord answered him and said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, all your enemies together. See, let's wrap this up. What does God say after all his butts, wise wears, if can't do? Did you see what he said about himself? I, t- I address this in my book, Identity Theft. Did you see what he said about himself? He said, my tribe, in the King James, my tribe is the least tribe of the 12 tribes. My family is the least in this tribe, and I am the least in my family. He said, of 3 million Israelites, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. That was his self-image, and God used him. The enemy wants to rob you and rip you off. You stop looking at that bank account. Stop looking at that report from the doctor. Stop looking at your marriage the way it is and begin to see it the way it can be. Begin to discover the new you and you'll discover a new other. See, I I do a lot of marriage counseling mainly for pastors. Did you hear me? Mainly for pastors, lead pastors of churches. And I tell them, stop telling me you want someone better. It isn't that you want someone better. You want something better. Well, that's up to you. And the Lord says, I'll be with you. You'll strike down all your enemies. He's saying the same thing to you. But listen, God doesn't address his complaints. God doesn't say, I know it's going to be hard. Here's what God says. I will be with you. You know what's amazing? Isn't that how the angel started out? The Lord is with you. How does God finish the conversation? I will be with you. How does it start out? The Lord is with you. How does he finish? I will be with you. God started with you. I'm with you. And when you finish, he's still with you. And he never left you down. He never left you hanging. He never walked away. Have you ever had a messenger show up in your small place? Have you ever been in that place of apathy, hurt, loneliness? Feel rejected, despondent, discouraged, worried, fearful? Ever had an angel show up at that place? Well, I just did. You can call me Angel Rob. (laughs) Because what's really cool is this word angel can be translated messengers. And when you transliterate it from the Hebrew into the Greek, it can mean pastor. When Gideon's pastor showed up, His pastor said, the Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. And then it begins to sound like a thousand conversations I've had with people in the church for the last 40 years. You know, the beauty is, is that Gideon and his people were facing an army of 132,000 Midianites. Now close, close your heads and bow your eyes. What do you say? Just so you can think for a moment as we finish. 
finally Gideon gets on track with God's purpose and plan. And he says, I need all the fighting men to come. We're going to fight the Midianites. And 30,000 Israelites show up to face 132,000 enemies. Now, if you do the math, that means every one of God's people got to fight four of the enemies. So every person had at least four enemies they had to deal with. And you know what God says to Gideon? Hey, Gideon, you got too many people. And he said, tell everybody that's afraid to go home. So Gideon obeys God and he says, now, if you're afraid, go home. 20,000 leave. Now he's down to 10,000. They're going to face 132,000. Now each person has... 13 enemies they have to face. And then you know what God says? You still have too many. Eventually there was 300 fighting men. And those 300 men, because the Lord was with them. Now listen to this. This is what I need you to hear. Defeated 132,000 enemies. Because one man who God called a mighty warrior stepped out of his small place and did what God asked him to do. I believe this very day in this very room, some of you are ready to step out of your small place. And how could we ever figure the number that you're going to set to flight? The number of enemies that you're going to destroy in your family. And those that are in your sphere of influence. How many of you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is just personal. How many of you would raise your hand today and say, Pastor, I've been stirred on to step out of a small place in my life. Put your hand up. Put it up high. All over this room. Come on, put them up high. Let me see him. Let me see him. Pastor, probably 70, 80% of the room. Where are you? Look up. Look at me. Where are you? Look at me. Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior, mighty warrior, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. I don't feel like it. This has nothing to do with your feelings, mighty warrior. Will you listen to the messenger of God, mighty warrior? Will you be courageous and step out of a small place? Will you take the hand of someone else in this church? Will you join a commitment to do what God has told them to do corporately and what God has called you to do personally, mighty warriors? I've been in the small place with no money. When the kids got sick, when we were living in the garage and they'd be vomiting, I'd just have to pick them up and try to run them to the house a hundred yards away. And I like being out of the small place much better. You'll like it too. And I understand it takes courage, but there's courageous people in this church that have already stepped out. Take their hands and fight on, you mighty warriors. Thank you for letting me be here today. Bless you, bless you, bless you, relevant.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Relevant Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. 